in week two of looking at the book of Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet who ran away from God. Um, so last week, anyone remember what happened last week? Anyone want to just offer a quick summary of what happened in Jonah chapter one last week? Yeah, Tristan? Yeah, so Jonah's a, he's a famous prophet who runs away from God. Uh, you know, God, you're right. God tells him to do something uh, that doesn't make any sense to Jonah. Um, raise your hand if you've ever felt like God has told you to do something that didn't make any sense to you. Yeah? Okay. Yeah? Welcome to, uh, welcome to the wild goose chase of following Jesus. And so in Jonah's case, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think Tristan, you alluded to it. God calls Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. And they're Israel's enemies, and Jonah hates them. So he doesn't want to do that. He says, this doesn't make any sense. Why would I go preach to my enemies? And so he goes in the opposite direction. He finds a ship. Uh, he sails on the ship as far from Nineveh as he can. And God sends a great storm. And Jonah gets thrown overboard and is swallowed by a great fish. And so we talked about last week the way that disobedience always costs you something. You know, it's been said that sin always takes you farther than you plan to go. It costs you more than you plan to pay, and it keeps you there longer than you plan to stay. But what Jonah discovers, and what this whole book is actually about, is the mercy of God. You can't outrun the mercy of God. So we're going to look tonight at the second chapter, which you've actually got a copy of there. And we're just going to do a quick little overview. I'm just going to point out a couple of things to notice, then you guys can study it more in your small groups. And uh, just to get an idea of what this chapter is about, look just at the very first verse of chapter 2. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So this whole chapter is actually a prayer. Um, it's been said that you can describe the book of Jonah in these four ways. This is an outline from a guy named Bruce Anstey who says that in chapter one, you see a paying man. Jonah pays a cost for his disobedience. He literally pays the fare to get aboard the ship. You see a paying man, chapter one. In chapter two, this chapter, you see a praying man. And then in chapter three, a preaching man, as Jonah actually does go to the Ninevites and preach to them. And then in chapter four, Jonah is mad at how God responds to the Ninevites. And he, you see him there as a pouting man. So a paying man, a praying man, a preaching man, and a pouting man. And chapter two is the prayer. Uh, chapter two is the prayer. And I want to point out, not just that Jonah prays, but notice where he prays. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. So Jonah is inside the big fish. This is, you know, the most famous part of this, this book. Um, you know, by the way, uh, it's worth mentioning, some people have rejected the book of Jonah because of this part of the story, actually. Uh, just, you know, just sort of the idea that this book must be made up since, uh, you know, surely no one could ever actually survive inside the belly of a big fish. Uh, but actually, just, you know, if that's of interest to you, just know that there are actually two modern accounts of that very thing happening. If you're interested in knowing a little bit more about that, come talk to me afterward and I'll, I'll give you the, the place you can go look, look about that. So uh, anyway, you know, don't, don't get distracted by, by you know, just the, the craziness of the big fish. 
But anyway, Jonah's inside the big fish. And that actually points to the first thing to notice tonight in this chapter. Uh, Number one, notice that God's mercy meets Jonah when he's at his lowest low. So, notice, for example, some of the verbs in this chapter. So in verse 3, the ocean current engulfed me. Or a little later in verse 3, all the mighty waves you sent swept over me. Or uh, then verse 5, the ocean deep surrounded me. So these are all words that kind of describe Jonah being totally overwhelmed. And overwhelmed, I think, not just by like the weight of the water around him and the storm and the, the fish, but I mean, he's overwhelmed by the consequences of his disobedience. I mean, maybe you've been in a situation where you felt overwhelmed by the consequences of your disobedience. So, you know, notice some of those words that we pointed out there. But then also, uh, notice like some of the direction words in this chapter. So we actually talked about last week the way that you can see in this story that the more Jonah disobeys God, the further down he sinks. It says first in chapter 1 that Jonah went down to Joppa. And then he went down below the deck of the ship. And now, in chapter 2, verse 6, Jonah says, I went down to the very bottoms of the mountains. In other words, like, I couldn't have even gone any deeper if I'd wanted to. Like, I've come all the way to the very depths. He's at the end of his rope. He's at rock bottom. He's at the lowest possible low that you could could come to. But what does the rest of verse 6 say? The rest of verse 6 says, not just that Jonah sank down to the lowest low, but that actually is the place where God's mercy meets him. You brought me up out of the pit, O Lord, my God. So notice in this, story, in this chapter, God's mercy meets Jonah when he is in the pit. The pit is God's favorite place to meet people with his mercy. There may be some people who are here tonight, and you know you're in a pit. And I just want to tell you that this story is a testimony to the fact God can meet you in that pit. God promises that he's a God of mercy even when you're in that pit. And in fact, just, you know, by the way, notice that that Jonah's mercy is actually shown to him um, in the form of the fish. If you look at the very beginning of uh, this page, I actually included the the previous verse uh, from chapter, chapter one where it says the Lord sent a huge fish to follow Jonah. Some translations say the Lord provided a huge fish. You know, Jonah's probably in that fish. He's probably thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm in a fish, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, how did I end up here? (laughs) But do you realize what the story is saying? It's saying that God actually provided that very, like, location of Jonah's trial in order to spare his life. And so sometimes in your own life, like, God's mercy might look fish-shaped. You know, like, the way that God might actually want to reveal his goodness and grace to you may very well come in the shape of a trial. So, notice that God's mercy meets Jonah at his lowest low. And then, number two, notice that Jonah clings to Scripture. Uh, as you are looking at this chapter, you might, there might, might be a couple of parts that kind of sound a little familiar. And the reason for that is that if you study this carefully, Jonah is actually quoting 
from the book of Psalms all over the place in this chapter. So just a couple examples that I want to put up on the screen just so you can see. So you see there's the first line of, of his prayer, which is pretty similar to a line in one of the Psalms. Uh, here's another example. Uh, all your waves and your billows passed over me. That's what Jonah prays. Well, that's just like what uh, one of the, another Psalm says. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Here's uh, another example. Um, Jonah says, I am driven away from your sight. Which, uh, if you go to Psalm 31, I'd set in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. And then just one last one. This is a, you know, almost a verbatim quote in Hebrew from one of the Psalms. And that's like this, you know, this great cry that Jonah ends his prayer with. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Well, where did he get that idea? He got that idea from the Bible. So, you know, Jonah's in the middle of a, of a, of a, a big fish. You know, it's probably pretty dark, pretty smelly in there. You know, it's not like he um, was as fortunate as us to have kind of his little, you know, light up back screen iPhone and there with the Bible app, you know. He didn't even have a flashlight if he had a, you know, a real Bible. So it's not as though Jonah uh, was like reading this while he's in the fish. No, he, he had it memorized. He had it memorized. He knew God's word so well that he could lean upon it in tough times. Which raises the question, do you know God's word well enough that you could lean on it in tough times? Have you read it? Have you committed it to memory? Do you draw upon it? Do you draw upon what God's word says about his character in the middle of a belly of the whale experience? And the reason why this is so important is that, you know, it's not just that, oh, you know, I memorized all these verses of scripture or I knew the Bible really well because like I went to Awana as a kid and I got like all these badges and all these gems on my crown. Um, maybe some of you had that experience growing up. <laughs> yeah, so some of you know. Well, the, the point of knowing scripture and knowing it well is not just that you can kind of feel like you have another notch on your Christian belt, but it's because the God's word is what tells us what God is really like. You're never going to come to know what God is really like if you just rely on the ideas about him you have in your head. God in the Bible is way more complex, way more scary, way more merciful than anything we could ever dream up. And so if you don't know who God is, if you don't know your identity in Christ, then when a trial comes, you'll be lost. Do you know the word of God well enough to sustain you in a time of trial? And then finally, number three, notice one more thing. I love this. Notice that Jonah calls out to God. It's the very first line of the, of the prayer. I called out to the Lord from my distress and he answered me. From the belly of Sheol I cried out for help and you heard my prayer. Now this, you know, might seem kind of simple, right? Like Jonah calls out to God. Like you'd probably do the same thing if you were, you know, inside a big fish. I don't know, maybe you, I don't know what you'd do. You've probably never been inside a big fish. I've never been inside a big fish. But, but, this little point is actually really, really profound. Um, so, some of you may have heard of Corey Ten Boom before. Anyone ever heard of her? She was a Dutch Christian in the Second World War um, who, she and her family hid Jews during uh, the Nazi invasion of Holland. And as a result, she and her father and her sister were all sent to a concentration camp. Her father and her sister both died. She was the only one to survive. And she went on to testify to God's grace in that concentration camp to people all over the world um, after the war ended. And at one point, Corrie Ten Boom said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. 
If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. In this story, Jonah's in a pit. And the reason that so many people stay stuck in the pit is that you look at the world. You, know, you might blame other people, you know, pointing the finger at someone else and saying, well, the reason I'm in the pit was because it was his fault or it was her fault or it was their fault. And the reason you're stuck is because you're looking to the world. You're stuck because you don't actually believe you're in distress. You think it was someone else's fault. Or the other reason that a person can be in a pit, stuck in a pit, is because you're looking to yourself. You know, so this could, could kind of, this, this might be the, the inner monologue. You know, you're, you're in the pit, and so you're just, you're beating yourself up. You're saying, it's my fault. <laughs> I deserve to be in this pit because I, I, it's, I screwed up. That's the reason I'm in the pit. And so you say, okay, well, I got myself into this pit. I guess I'm going to have to be the one to get myself out. And so because you're looking at yourself, it just, you start sinking into despair that despair might even start to feel friendly, might start to feel good. You let the pit become your friend. And it kind of reminds me of the man that Jesus saw, and he asked him, hey, do you want to be well? Well, gosh, sometimes when you're looking at yourself, then sometimes like you can be so, in, so like wrapped up in yourself that you might even lose a vision of what it looks like to be well. I just want to tell you, like, if that's where you're at... <laughs> God wants to break into that. Like, God wants to give you a vision of what it looks like to be healed and whole through him. So, you might be stuck because you've kind of lost the vision of, of what it even looks like to be well. Or, you know, here's another thing that might be going through the inner monologue. When you look at yourself, you might say, okay, I screwed up. I got myself into this pit. I've got to be the one to get myself out. So then you kind of start punishing yourself. You start trying harder to like, you know, be a good Christian or do all the right things or whatever. And, and you might do it to try to prove to yourself that like you actually are, are like able and like able to prove that you, you, you're, you're worthy enough to be drawn out of the pit. But all of that, all, all that is just, it's, it's, it's looking at yourself. It's trying to save yourself. And in fact, the deeper problem is like a, like a buried belief behind that, that God isn't actually a good God. Because if you think that you have to prove that you're worthy enough to be brought out of the pit that you've gotten yourself in, it's kind of like, you know, you're imagining God as sort of just like this, you know, mad, angry guy who's just sort of there tapping his foot, waiting for you to get your act together. And that is not who God is. That is not who God is. It's been said that all of our problems in life come from our lack of belief in the goodness of God. Don't get stuck because of not believing in the goodness of God. But the reason why I wanted to point out just this very first verse is that in this verse, look at what Jonah does. He calls to the Lord. You know, he remembers that line from the psalm, you know, salvation belongs to the Lord. And so he's kind of like, well, okay, like salvation belongs to the Lord. You know, that means I can't get myself out of this mess. <laughs> Imagine that, you know, like I can't like pry the fish's mouth open and clamber out of there myself. Like only God can rescue me. And you know, like if you're trying to save yourself, if you're trying to like get yourself out of the pit on your own, the, actually the antidote is to realize that like you don't even have a leg to stand on. 
<laughs> you know, all of the righteous deeds you might try to bring before God to get yourself out of that pit, they're like filthy rags in his sight. None of us has anything that we can ever give to God to get ourselves out of the pit. The only thing that can get us out of the pit is Jesus. Jesus was the one who was swallowed by something a whole lot worse than a whale. He was swallowed by death himself, itself. And three days later, he rose from the dead so that we wouldn't ever have to be in the belly of death and hell and sin because he already went there for us. So if you're in a pit tonight, as you look at this chapter, notice those three things. Number one, that God's mercy meets Jonah when he's in the pit. Number two, that Jonah clings to scripture when he's in the pit. And then number three, notice that Jonah calls out to God. Just one last thing is before we go to groups is, and I, I know I've shared this here before, but I just, I, one of my favorite um, images of kind of what the gospel is, is actually to imagine that you yourself are in like a literal hole in the ground. You're in that hole and you're looking up and you see a man like come like to the edge of the hole and you're really excited because like maybe this guy's going to come and, you know, help me get out. The gospel is not that that guy just like drops you down an instruction manual, you know, like how to get out of a pit for dummies. Like that's not the gospel. God doesn't just give you a bunch of rules that you have to follow to save yourself. And the gospel is also not like that guy throwing down a rope so that you can like grab that rope and you can like pull yourself out. The gospel is, is that that guy like literally climbs down into the pit and he throws your limp, weak, like to the very, very like dregs of life, your body on his shoulders. And he's the one who, with his own blood, sweat, and tears, carries you out of the pit. And that person is Jesus. That person is Jesus. That's what Jonah discovered in the story. And that's what we get to look at tonight in small groups. So let me pray. Father, uh, just would you... Bless your word as we look at it tonight. Um, and bless these new groups. Um, Father, I pray that you would just use um, all the people that you've put together with all of the other people um, tonight in these groups um, just to go deeper in scripture and to come to fall in love with you more. In Jesus' name, amen.